0: Welcome back to the Sustaining Sport podcast. The relationship between money and sport is complex. This show has touched on many of the issues of over commercialization. Then again, if there was zero money involved, then athletes couldn't compete to their full potential while simultaneously paying their bills. As we continue to make sense of where between these extremes would sport be best placed, I promise today's discussion will not be another tirade against the direct oil money ownership although given the scale of the takeover moves that the Saudi sovereign wealth fund are attempting, it is hard not to obsess over that. Rather, today we are looking at the more nuanced capital inflows that have a few degrees of separation. For example, the organizations that invest in or fund others to go out and extract fossil fuels rather than doing it themselves. Additionally, there are businesses that continuously try and tempt the consumer into making key purchases that will cause significant harm either to the consumer or somewhere else along the supply chain. And because of that separation, it is very tricky for sports fans to know that the company whose name adorns the front of their team's jersey is profiting from something that they might not agree with. But help is on the way. Michael Hardy has long sought to get his local team, Liverpool Football Club, to drop Standard Chartered as a sponsor. He argues that Standard Chartered's funding of projects across the world that do not uphold the human rights of their workers and are responsible for a massive amount of emissions, are not in line with the values of the team that he supports. To try and make a difference, Michael and Platform, the organization he works for, are launching the Game Changer Sponsorship Pledge, an exciting new initiative that tries to bring together everyone who cares about sport, but does not want to benefit from major harm-causing activities. They aim to put pressure on sports commercial directors to make better choices, choices that better represent the club's and athlete's values even if that means smaller money deals. I hope you find Michael's passion as infectious as I do. In fact, he is so passionate, we had a few issues with his microphone, which I hope you will forgive. But I believe remaining gallant in the face of a daunting task often requires exactly that kind of passion. So please enjoy this conversation with Michael Hardy. Welcome, Michael, to the Sustaining Sport podcast. Cheers, Ben. Nice to be here. So let's just begin
1: at the beginning, shall we? Where did your relationship with sport begin? Um, So I grew up in Anfield. Um, As you can already probably tell, I'm I'm, I'm from Liverpool um, and I'm a big Liverpool fan. Um, I live in Anfield in the shadow of the stadium. I live um, very, very close to the ground and it's a huge part of people's lives and like it is up and down the country and around the world football plays a fundamental part in you growing up and in the area that you live in and and what it means to be a Liverpool fan especially with the the culture that you have around being a a specific supporter of Liverpool a supporter of football and all that comes along with that I've always tried to go to as many games as I as I can at Anfield and it's always been something that I've enjoyed to do and something I've cared a lot about.
0: That's fantastic, and I, I must say, it's so great for me to uh, know you as a, a local Liverpool fan. Because in the nature of this, the sporting world that we support, I know thousands of Liverpool fans, basically, and very few of them are from Liverpool. It is just the nature of the world we live in. So, yeah, on that topic, how has your relationship with the club changed since you know since you were a boy? Well, well the su- <laughs> the success of the club
1: has definitely improved since I was <laughs> since I was um, since I was younger with um, us um, achieving our um, more recently our Champions League and Premier League successes. But my relationship more broadly comes from um, embracing the positives that being a Liverpool fan has, but also being more acutely aware of some of the the problems and some of the the criticisms that you have around the the relationships that, that the club has um, with other industries and the way the impact that, that they put out in terms of um, different areas as well. So I know these being like controversial sponsorship deals that you've been aware of in terms of some of these things. And that kind of tarnishes some of the kind of relationship that you do have to some extent in the disappointment in those your club and the brand and the the values of sport and the club you support being associated with those things. But also the disappointment in terms of um, the stuff that was surrounding the the European Super League and things like that in terms of the commercialisation of football is it definitely increased I'm not saying it didn't exist 20 years ago but it's definitely you've definitely seen that ramped up in the way um, money controls um, football and controls sport more broadly but it's it's definitely overall it's still a great thing to be a, a sport fan it's still a great thing to be a football fan uh, Absolutely and, and I
0: think My friends who are Newcastle uh, supporters will probably be a bit sick of me you know, constantly getting a bit irritable about their current ownership model. Obviously, everyone knows about PSG's ownership model, Man City, but let's keep focusing on Liverpool. Let's try and be self-critical because we're we're both Liverpool fans. What is Liverpool's sponsorship situation? Because I think just because the ownership may not be as starkly, quote-unquote, irresponsible as some of the others doesn't mean that it's all sunshine and rainbows.
1: Um, no, absolutely. And and Liverpool is a big culprit in terms of negative sponsorship deals that it, that it does have. Its front of shared sponsor um, is Standard Chartered Bank, um, which is a huge fossil fuel financer. Sometimes a, a conversation that people don't always realise because most people in this country um, aren't able to have a Standard Chartered Bank account. So they're not. a lot of people aren't familiar with what Standard Chartered is, let alone what their practices are and how they invest their money in other areas for instance like one of the the mind blowing kind of figures for me is that in 2021 alone standard chartered invest standard chartered bank invested in fossil fuel expansion projects that will emit 2.3 billion tons of co2 within those projects lifetime that's five times the entire emissions of the uk 2.3 billion tons like i can't i, I can't even comprehend how large a number that is and how much impact that that's going to have on our planet the people, that, the people that live on this planet and the future of, of sport as well um, as, as a knock-on effect of that too. Um, but the amount of money that's being ploughed in is is astounding too. In terms of £46 billion has been ploughed into fossil fuel um, expansion projects since 2016 by Standard Chartered. So these are large sums of money and huge, huge emissions, which is ultimately driving climate change and, and, and threatening the future of sport. And it doesn't stop there. Like the Liverpool itself has um, commercial partnerships with, with other industries and with other areas as well, such as Petro-Canada, which I think the name says on the tin, um, just quite what that, what that's about there. Um, it's just ludicrous, in my view, to be able to say, um, which Liverpool does and is a signatory of like the UN Sports for Climate Action Framework, um, based on it, its, it's pledge and commitment towards that, what has allowed and continues to push sponsorship deals with these rec- climate reckon. Industries and climate record sponsors. Um, I don't think those two things commute, and I don't think they're representative of what the values of sport are. I don't think they're representative of what the fans want the club to be representative of. Yeah, we 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 love the we love Liverpool. I love Liverpool as a football club. I I, I live in in the shadow of its stadium, and um, quite literally, I can see the the stadium from my bedroom window. I I love being a Liverpool fan, but that doesn't absolve us um, of responsibility um, to criticise the things that the club is doing wrong. And the things that the club should be doing better and working to improve, and I think it's um, sustainability of its commercial department and the relationships it strikes with sponsors um, should definitely be a, a, something that they improve on and be a focal point of the of the club moving forward. Because ultimately, um, the research that is out there, sport is already being drastically impacted by the climate crisis. And you won't see football by 2050. You'll see uh, the majority of Premier League clubs experiencing fixture delays due to flooding and other weather events. Like, sport just won't be the same if sport doesn't get real and clubs don't get real and and take climate action. Um, Not just about the sustainability of their stadiums and operations, but the brands that they they promote. I think always one that that strikes me as being quite um, ludicrous is the fact that Premier League has an official engine oil sponsor why is that a category of sponsorship that we we need to have in, in football? Like that, it, it just it it it's a nonsense. Like obviously you've got others that that come in there, and and every club that you you, um, especially every Premier League club, will have relationships with the the fossil fuel industry, and will have relationships with industries that are uh, are problematic. You just look at the um, the amount of clubs that have gambling sponsors as well. It it's a huge huge problem. And the social and climate impacts of sponsorship deals is something that I think sport needs to start really taking seriously. What do you think Standard Chartered are getting out of it? Because as you say, you can't, as in the UK,
0: you can't open a Standard Chartered bank account. So what exactly are Standard Chartered's aims of being on Liverpool's front of shirt? Why are they giving them, I think it was 50 million quid a year? Why are they giving
1: them that money? Well, quite simply, sponsorship works. People will start to associate this research out there that suggests that people will have that with the strong emotions that are their team and the sports they 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 love, they will start to associate positive emotions with the brands that are associated with that sponsor and with that company. A lot of a lot of people I speak to recognize Standard Chartered as Liverpool's shirt sponsor, but they don't actually um, r- um know much about Standard Chartered, whether what, what its operations are more generally and whether it's a bank. Especially with, with the, the large clubs, the international element means that it has a far greater reach than, what, than, than just the UK viewership. In fact, with the lack of restrictions, or less restrictions on, on watching matches and whatnot around the, around the globe compared to the UK, more people f- from countries where Standard Chartered Bank does operate will see more games and be more televised games than will be in the UK. So every time you see... Mo Salah score a goal and standard chartered emblazoned on the front of the shirt. And it's beamed across the world. It's beamed across the world. And that positive association between Liverpool, that emotion that you're feeling, and that brand is there. And these are the and, and these are the areas around around the globe where Standard Chartered are invested in fossil fuel expansion projects. Across um across Asia, across Africa, um and further afield as well. And what it'll, it'll try and do is it'll point to um, other things that it's working on to say, oh, um, we're, we're doing this climate responsibly or or, or whatnot. Um, we're being more sustainable in this area. But ultimately, they are still investing in fossil fuel expansion projects. That be, whether that have been um, previous years and things like the liquefied natural gas pipeline in Mozambique and the devastation that that's caused and that this will continue to cause in the terms of the extraction of, of, of gas, whether it be the Jazan Power Plant and, and other projects that i invested in. There are, there are numerous, numerous projects that i invested in.
0: Yeah, I, I find these these particular numbers quite hard to digest, just as a, a human being on planet Earth, because th- there's always an argument between one's personal uh, climate actions and the sort of systemic, more industrial ones. And I, I I do think it's both. You know, some people say, "Oh, any form of carbon footprint is a myth, and that you should just live your life, and these oil companies are responsible." And that is like, to a degree, true. But at the same time, there are actions we can take in our daily lives to reduce our emissions. But then when you put the numbers there, it's quite demoralizing. I, you know, I say this summer, right? I've got a I've got a wedding in Italy, for example, in October, and I I'm not going by plane. I'm going to get the train there. But one, obviously check my privilege that I can get the train there, that I can afford it, because the trains aren't cheap. But two, you know, you're saving a, a sort of a couple of hundred, hundred kilograms of, of CO2 by not taking that thing. And then you hear this number from Standard Chartered, and you're like, ah. It's, it's, it's frustrating. You know, it does sort of make you quite um, angry. And I think your point about Mozambique was an interesting one where if you go to like Maputo and you walk around, I guarantee you, you will see a Liverpool shirt somewhere. But one, I'm not blaming them for that. Of course, they don't have to have that association. But it seems a weird concept that you could almost walk around with the branding of a, of a company that is negatively impacting both planet and your country and your know, fellow citizens, but also be quite happy about it.
1: No, absolutely. And, and well, that is the design, isn't it? The design for sponsorship in sport is to create those positive relationships and the po- po- positive feelings that people have towards the brand and the clubs that they, they love to support. You're absolutely right. This um, doesn't, shouldn't mean, in, in my view, that you shouldn't support Liverpool as a result of these things. I'm a massive Liverpool fan. I'll continue to be a massive Liverpool fan for my whole life. Um, however, um, it, it does give a responsibility of, of people who are aware of the situation of the sponsorships to use their voice to be able to call that out and to 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 spread that message around the problems that that it does have I think that is I think that's the crucial thing because these companies have global reach Liverpool has a global reach it reaches people right across the world and it has to be made aware and has to be called out that the practices of our main shared sponsor are really really damaging they're, they're awful they're having awful consequences in the countries that they're expanding doing their fossil fuel expansion projects in and that hasn't a huge impact on the climate right across right across the globe and um, so I think it's important that we do call out these these actions especially for making the argument against fossil fuel banks and um, which often um, is slightly more complicated kind of degree of separation that they use a sponsorship to be able to fund the fossil fuel industry because it's a it's the, um, the the banks that are providing the, the the money slash the the underwriting from insurance companies and whatnot to be able to carry out the fossil fuel expansion projects. That wouldn't happen without their support. So it's it's important to convey that message. We've
0: talked about Standard Chartered. We've talked about Petro Canada. What do you think of something like Expedia, where? they're not directly responsible for the emissions, you know, the company of Expedia's carbon footprint isn't that high, but obviously if you watch an Expedia advert, you have Ewan McGregor or something telling you to hop on a plane, which is high carbon footprint. What do you make of that kind of sponsorship?
1: I think what you find with everyone who talks about high carbon sponsorship is that everyone will have a slightly different kind of like window in terms of like, um, how far the net should be cast <laughs> in, in these things. Absolutely. Um, it's, promoting it other industries and directing you to other industries that are high-carbon related, um, obviously being air travel being that main one. And you see large examples of airlines being sponsored in the Premier League and in football, notably the Emirates and and Etihad. It's definitely um, something that should be discussed and it should be something that is considered by commercial uh, departments within clubs when they're striking these deals. It's comparative, really, isn't it? In terms of the understanding that yes, that's problematic and is, a relation, is related to the, the fossil fuel industry, but it's not—it's not the airline itself. So it's understanding that distinction and understanding that you, it is a negative sponsor, like it's not a sponsor that is is going to be the the best one to have in terms of if you're taking environmental impact seriously. But it's not the same in terms of its direct impact as Standard Chartered Bank or Emirates Airlines or Etihad Airlines. So there's a complexity to that kind of discussion, but it's definitely something that I think should be included in the discussions that commercial departments are having in relation to sustainability, because it's really important that sustainability and the social impacts of sponsorships are really at the heart of what commercial departments are considering when they're striking new deals. And let's not make, make no bones of this. Sport is a lucrative sponsorship opportunity for every company around the world. There's no shortage of companies that want to use sport to sponsor their brand. There's there's no shortage. I don't think there's, there's probably very few companies that wouldn't want their their um, their company on the front of a Premier League shirt. So there is other opportunities out there for sponsorship to bring the revenue into to clubs that doesn't have to rely on the, uh, the fossil fuel or high carbon industries to do that.
0: Yeah, you're highlighting some interesting ones. I think the the downside of the of the bad companies, I guess, is that the companies that are the most "quote unquote" exploitative, or who are taking these mining bets, fossil fuel bets, whatever bets, and that that's paying off. You know, Saudi Aramco is the biggest company in the world, most profitable company in the world, have the money to tempt in the the most of the the goodwill uh, institutions like whatever Liverpool or or such, and or even for example, someone like you and McGregor. Uh, but on top of that, they have the most incentive to do so because people are pissed off at them because of their dodgy action. So it's a little bit of chicken and the egg of like the bad ones have the money and the most incentive to give you the money. You know, I feel terrible for a, a, uh, an organization like Forest Green Rovers, because how do they go around and get a sustainable sponsor that'll give them a huge amount of money? I'm sure some will give them some money, but they just know that they, um, some vegan food companies don't actually need that much of a you know, image cleanse, they might need a bit of more reach. And of course there'll still be the aim for that, but they
1: might not need a, a bit of image cleanse. And you're right in saying that the, the ones with the most money are the people that, uh, the companies that can't st- um, stack up the, the most offers in terms of giving clubs money for sponsorship deals. However, as a percentage in terms of what they give based on their overall investment in other things, it's incredibly small amount of money. In, in individual deals. And that's not to say that increasing the amount of sponsorship deals would make these sponsorships good or better. It absolutely wouldn't. But to point out the fact that you mentioned before, it's believed that Standard Chartered's deal with Liverpool is around £50 million a year. That is a fraction, a fraction of 1% that they've pumped into the fossil fuel industry since the signing of the Paris Accord. That's an insubstantial amount of money to them for the benefit that they get from that. The amount of people that reaches, so it's it, it, it's always important to I think to contextualise that. You know the way the football and finances have gone have gone recently. Fifty million pounds isn't a huge huge sum of money, um, in 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 the wide scope of um, the scheme of things. They are like you 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 see um, the Champions League drop Gazprom, um, over overnight essentially um, after the Russia's invasion of Ukraine and replaced it relatively quickly with another sponsor and that that wasn't difficult for them to do and and the the finances weren't impacted by that that the cost of the deal was similar slash i think it may have even been slightly higher so they are they are companies out there and you're right as well that between the different leagues and the different levels of the game at different points the size of those deals will, will vary
0: you raise a valid point there about the that they were able to get a new sponsor that quickly after Gazprom. So why didn't they just get one in the first place? Why did it take an invasion of a of a sovereign nation to change sponsorships? And I I mean if I'm going to take the nihilist view, and I don't have this view in my day-to-day life, but to take the nihilist view, I'm almost annoyed the standard chartered, we don't ask standard chartered for more. Like, you know, they're giving us, well, we just signed McAllister for 35 million. They're giving us 1.7 um McAllisters per season, basically, to get their brand on the front of every eyeball who, ever watch, who watches a game of Champions League football. It seems, well, not Champions League next year. <laughs> um, but yeah. Up,
1: then. yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Champ- Champions League uh, winning football in the last couple of years, Premier League winning football in the last couple of years. And they only gave us 50 million. Like It just seems like a Liverpool sort of ad- a completely morally bankrupt themselves for, as you say, not that huge amount of
1: money in the grand scheme. Absolutely. And obviously, um, I don't hold the view that increasing that to any sum of money would make that sponsor any better in any way, shape or form. But it does put into into context um, the value that these companies are able to get in relation to the cost that they're paying. Ultimately, these companies sponsor sports and sponsor football because it works, because it produces more money for them than they have put on else. And it's obvious why there is when you see... In in terms of comparatives, to means the amount of money that and the profits that these companies makes, what they're given in sponsorship deals are really small amounts of money in comparison to to the rest of their their profits and industries. Um, you're right to say like it it's um, in, in the nihilist view, people are like oh well they can afford to give more, but that is not the solution to this. The solution is to move away from from these industries and move into less problematic industries and industries that aren't causing social harm to people who consume sports or to the planet as well.
0: And I, I think going back to the sort of airline points or the travel points, it becomes quite difficult when it becomes quite difficult for these organizations not to do it when I think the bigger distance involved, the more money can be leveraged. And I'll give you an example, obviously, this most recent Champions League final was in Istanbul. And really cool organizations like um, Fossil Free Football were saying, well, hang on, it's an Italian team playing a uh, a team from Manchester, why not have the game in Paris like it was last year? And it makes it so geographically reasonable. But of course, the entire build up to the final involved, you know, Liverpool's very own Steven Gerrard in a in a sponsorship campaign from Turkish Airlines, because they're not hosting the final because the the uh, uh, owners of Turkish Airlines want to watch football, even though they may do. They're hosting the final there because they can use that event and the eyeballs to incentivize people to travel To these places. And then I think we get, there's a knowing thing where they they kind of want to offset the guilt of the travel onto the end consumer. And me being an end consumer in this case, then feels the guilt because, you know, then suddenly my friend, because they watched the Champions League final says, oh, I want to do my destination wedding in Istanbul. That's great. Like, cool. But then I'm now sitting at home, turning down my friend's wedding, because I can't get to Istanbul (laughs) without hopping on a plane um so the, you know they they almost create the problem and then say to the consumer you solve it if 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 you care about sustainability so it's a really fierce cycle of which football and you know sport in general is tied up in
1: yeah you you're absolutely right and 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 what you've just described there is literally the the reason why they want to sponsor sports, why these industries want to sponsor sports, gets the positive relationship. It creates revenue for them to do so, creates opportunities that they can tap into to make themselves more money and make their businesses even more profitable. Because these aren't industries, by the way. These aren't these aren't companies that are struggling to, to get money. These aren't companies that are struggling to get by. They want to increase their profit margins even more so in a way that is completely unsustainable within the planet as it is currently in the climate crisis that we face and one of the impacts of the the climate crisis is that within the next few decades sport will be unrecognizable you see how frequently the sporting and calendar is disrupted now in terms of sport and um weather the weather instances around the world flooding extreme heat you've seen today some of the reports I think there was a um, an article in reuters talking about the mexican national games where these teams that have matches are being cancelled, teams have walked off the pitch, athletes have been hospitalised due to extreme heat and the extreme weather there. You've seen Grand Prix's flooded off, you've seen football matches around the world cancelled for for weather events. And and this is only going to get worse as the climate crisis grips harder. The devastation in terms of that is going to happen to the planet is going to worsen and the impact that will have on fans, athletes and the sport and calendar. Is going to be even larger and and this is why it's now is the time as the climate crisis grips harder now is really the time for government bodies for sports teams and sports organizations to take really serious the issues of sustainability and include sponsorship deals in them because it's really important that they do the things they can to make their stadiums and make their operations as sustainable as possible but to ignore the fact that they're promoting hugely hugely polluting industries and fossil fuel banks and fossil fuel companies is 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 count, completely counter the arguments they're trying to make by uh, making their stadiums and their operations more sustainable like you look around at some of the most egregious examples of fossil fuel sponsorship in, in, in world in world football and you look at the african cup of nations which are sponsored by total which is just completely completely outrageous to be able to do that and that and they they still use their um they brand to sponsor sport right across the world. And they're having a devastating, Totals operations are having this devastating impact on the planet. The people all over the world and the communities where they're having their fossil fuel expansion projects. And for sport to kind of turn a blind eye to that is unsustainable. It's completely ridiculous and it's immoral. And sport needs to look those arguments right in the face and resolve them. And and move to sever the relationships that they have with these industries because sport should be used as a as as a as a vehicle for good and not to threaten the future of sport itself and have a devastating impact on people and planet. I I think the Africa one is a super complex
0: situation where from particularly a macro perspective it's hard to say that Africa doesn't deserve money being put in you know so in theory if those total investments would be trickling down you know, through the system and helping people in underdeveloped regions, et cetera, et cetera. You could maybe make the argument, but one, I'm not sh- always sure if that is the case and it's very hard to verify if that's the case. And two, it does set up this weird incentive that I think a lot of billionaires and big companies run into where <laughs> it almost seems to suit you the best to do something wrong, do something bad, do something that exploits either other human beings or the environment leverage a huge amount of money from that or gain a huge amount of money from that, then take some of that money and put it to something like a sports tournament or a rewilding project or anything like that and say, look at the great thing we're doing, which you can't then say, that's not a great thing you're doing. You know, I can't specifically say... Total's money into African football is a bad thing. But of course, what are they leveraging back? They're leveraging a false reputation. We're saying that Total is a quote-unquote good company. And it never balances out. They're never putting in enough money into Africa than they're taking out of Africa in the form of fossil fuel expansion and human exploitation. So it's a really frustrating thing that you know you, if you go on the internet you'll see you won't believe what this person has done good with their money but where do they get the money and yeah these obviously particularly in the cases of companies they're, they're faceless organizations there's no individual that is masterminding this so it's almost impossible to say that they're who's doing the wrong
1: thing but it's very interesting but what you've described there quite um quite eloquently is what greenwashing and sportswashing washing is and and they use this to, to launder their reputations and to promote a positive image for themselves whilst doing things that are completely immoral and morally bankrupt and damaging to people and planet. I understand you're saying, like, obviously, um, African football deserves investments um, to, uh, and whatnot. That is not an argument that I'm making. But the investments that um, they're getting from a, a fossil fuel company, directly from a fossil fuel company, threatens the future of football and, and threatens the planet and threatens the the livelihoods and the communities of of people right across the world and within the communities within Africa with some of the fossil fuel expansion projects um, that they're directly involved with there. So that's why they do it through greenwashing and sportswashing to say, oh, we've used this money to do this great project or that great project. But when you kind of put that into perspective in terms of their operations and the impact that they more broadly have, and they're far less significant, than the, the negative impact that they're having. So I, I understand the argument that the, the football needs investment and whatnot, but it should not be reliant and should not be taking money from the industries that are threatening the future of sport.
0: I, I think also it's so difficult when the, the distances and the disconnect you have from these companies. Like If I was to come up with some kind of um, real-world example, if, if we were in the neighborhood and someone had like a lemonade stand and they uh, had cut costs on their lemonade production by putting rotten lemonades in the lemonade, but making a profit on doing so. And then reinvested that profit into like a local swimming pool. But we all got sick from the lemons. We wouldn't say, oh, well done for building a swimming pool. Thank you very much. We'd be like, why the hell did you just do that? But because these companies are miles away, we don't necessarily directly see every day, the actions on the ground and all this kind of stuff, particularly for people in these situations in Africa, that they only maybe see in the short term oh a bit of money coming in from total that's fine, cool, great, but of course, if you take the the system's perspective or the the broads perspective, like this is not not sustainable exactly as you phrase, but now let's talk about your work' because obviously <laughs> all my listeners will hear the passion and, that you talk about this stuff and the details that you have. How have you um turned all of your passion and and motivation at for fixing this system into a
1: into a career um so i'm i i Began work, when I first met you Ben a few years back, working for um, an organisation called Platform and uh, I was a freelancer at the time and I was involved with a few others in running a campaign called Fossil Free LFC and that was directly as this conversation started with about the relationship between Liverpool Football Club and Standard Chartered Bank and through that work involved discussions with, with fans I think within this whole kind of sustainability and campaigning and, and trying to change this the way football uses sponsorship and the sustainability is sport involving fans in that discussion and as part of that campaign is, is is crucial one of the things that regularly came up there in discussions with fans and wanted to convey the message of the problems around standard chartered and they would broadly accept that standard chartered were not a good company to, to sponsor liverpool was the fact that there was a, an understanding that there were other areas of sponsorship that are negative. And I now work for, for Platform, and we working on the campaign and the sponsorship pledge that drives together those three areas in terms of the, the clubs, fans and, and athletes to bring those people together to campaign about what we're calling harmful sponsorship. And those harmful sponsorship are present that we're looking at in terms of the the campaigns that exist. The high carbon, which is what I've discussed here quite in depth with yourself today. And gambling companies and the alcohol industry as well. All of those have got um, established campaigns in different areas and whatnot against those types of against those types of sponsorship. Because what I see this is a, a pledge to bring those 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 stake I hate to use the phrase stakeholders for sport, but like uh, that's broadly what what they are: the clubs, the fans, the athletes. Bring those people together to break what I describe as the cycle of harmful sponsorship. How do we we switch between these harmful sponsors? Like you go back, and tobacco sponsorship was the only sponsorship in town in sports, or practically anything at one stage. if it wasn't sponsored by tobacco, then it wasn't happening at one point. And now that that became a thing of the past, and then alcohol industries, gambling industries, high carbon industries come in to that came into that space within sport, within football, and they chop and change between those those industries. What this pledge aims to do is to bring together all those groups of people that I've just described to break that cycle to say our sport, our uh, our clubs, our teams that we love to support don't need to be reliant on money from these industries. It causes harm to fans and it threatens the future of the game. So we need to be really engaged in those three areas, get as men mobilised behind this, uh, the pledge that we've referred to as the Game Changer Sponsorship Pledge, because that's what we're really ultimately hoping to do. So we're hoping to, to change the game. It's hoping that, that this will be a game changer in the way that we, we, we view sports sponsorship moving forward. Um, this, we've spoke a lot about, uh, about football, but this is not um, narrowly kind of minded through through football this is a sports sponsorship pledge so we want to engage with all sports we want to engage with all sport and organizations and we want to go with those people on a journey from that acceptance to commitment of not extending deals not renewing deals not signing deals with these industries and that's what i hope this really does as an opportunity to do but really positively for a sport that can continue to thrive like, we've talked about all the negatives of these relationships that exist, but it doesn't have to be that way. Our engagement within this process and our campaign and, and our, our voices do matter because, as you've heard the phrase all the time, and I think fans are key to this, sports fans are key to this, because you'll hear it in football all the time and across other sports. Um, sport without fans is nothing. So the voice of fans, the voice of athletes is really, really important within, within this, in bringing these, these areas together and really putting these discussions on the agenda so that the powers that, the powers that be, the organisations, the governing bodies that make these decisions, the clubs and the organisations can't ignore it. They can't ignore it. We have to put it on the agenda we, and, and, and they have to take us seriously. We've got to come together and create the environment where they can't ignore us, where they have to take us seriously, where they have to start to take action. Because uh, at some point that we know in terms of high carbon sponsorship, they must know that at some point that, that it'll be unignorable. And what we're asking them to do is is to get on board early. Get I say early, get on a, a board earlier before any legislative change is going to come in and be part of the part of the, the, the change that we can we can actually see in sports to try and protect its future and protect its fans and supporters and the athletes that compete in it.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely a first mover advantage here. And it seems ridiculous that we have to say the phrase first mover when it comes to climate in 2023. But if you can get on the record now and say that this stuff's got to change from a, as you say, industry stakeholder perspective, it's a huge advantage because the point that once football stadiums are literally regularly underwater, it, you're not going to get any brownie points, quote unquote, by saying, oh yeah, we need to do something about climate. It has to be now or probably 10 years ago, but here we are now. And I also think one of the struggles when it comes to this kind of change is communication and coordination. I think you'll often find a couple of stakeholders are sort of separated, but they actually think in the same way. So your your idea here of bringing people together, coming up with some kind of cohesive next step and you guys providing the the pun intended platform for that next step is, is exceptionally powerful. I'd also say that first of all, football without, uh, without Divock Origi is nothing. That's one thing we must always remember, <laughs> but exactly that, you know, as soon as the, the, the fans get involved at a quite a substantive level, then exactly. Football without fans is nothing. Um, and as you say, that applies to all sports, not just football. And this is a, I think, a really exciting next step. What, what's the actual process for clubs to get involved? You know, if there's a club listening to this right now, what what would you say to them in terms of how they can join this, this action?
1: So we'll hope to have, um, by the time this goes out, we hope to that this will have launched as as a pledge. Um and it'll be hosted and um, this work is being will be hosted in partnership with both Platform and Badvertising. And the pledge will be hosted on both of those websites and the contact information will be included on those websites, and any organisation that wants to get involved and wants to sign up, wants to have a conversation, wants to discuss this more, will be able to get in contact with myself, and we can we can discuss that further. Obviously, the more people that I pledge support and sign up for this, the better. But we want to have conversations with people too. We understand that that if, if it's clubs that want to get on board, that there'll probably be a journey, and these are the that that those clubs need to go on. Because I don't think these are, um, I don't, can't think of a club off the top of my head that doesn't have a relationship with at least one of these industries covered in the sponsorship pledge. So there will be a journey that some of these sports teams and organisations will need to go on. But that starts with a recognition that these sponsorship, sponsorship from these industries is harmful and we need to move away from them to, to safeguard sport and to safeguard our supporters and to safeguard um, society more broadly. And 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 I think that's 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 the starting point. Just get in touch um, once 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 we're launched, which should be when this goes out. And get in contact if you're interested in speaking more. If you want, if you've got an organisation, if you've got a link to an organisation that you think would be would be keen to discuss this further, then I'm 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 available and always open to discussion and engaging and trying to make um, positive change happen. How would you
0: say this pledge that you are putting forward differs from like? Sports for Climate Action Framework, which so many organizations have put their hands up and said, "Oh yes, yes to this, but then it didn't seem to go one step beyond. How are you guys going to ensure that once people have bought uh, you know bought into the the principle that they take those next steps?
1: um so I think the terms of the the commitments are in in within our pledge, specifically around sponsorship, are calling mm-hmm. for moving away from those areas of sponsorship. Um, so these are much more tangible recourse to kind of point out a form of hypocrisy. So if someone signs up to say we've committed to to phasing out these industries or at whatever stage we've phased out this industry that we, you've described in this with a view to phasing out more, you can tangibly see through their commercial relationships and their sponsorship deals, whether they are doing that or not. We don't want this to be taken as the opportunity to be a greenwashing exercise for clubs to go we've signed this we've done great things kind of thing we definitely want to make sure that these like the commitment to doing this is a commitment to actually carrying out what they what they say they're going to do and I think with it being about sponsorship and it it discusses sponsorship in a way that um the the framework doesn't and and an acceptance of harm and I think for clubs to to step up and take that responsibility will show that they're ahead of, the, well, will be ahead of the curve of most football and sporting clubs out there that haven't yet or, or or won't want to accept the harm that these industries do.
0: That's a really smart way of doing it. I I think um, a lot of the good that comes in sport is actually quite intangible. And then I think, some sports clubs maybe like to pretend that some of the bad stuff is also intangible. But as you say, something like a sponsorship thing is very black and white on paper. It's very tangible. So the actions are there. Like on, on the 1st of uh, July or wherever, be, you have this sponsor. W- where are you at 1st of July 2024? Where are you on the 1st of July 2025? If you still got the sponsors, you're still doing the wrong thing. So that's that's quite exciting. I think, um, just to sort of end this conversation, I always like to try and find some, some positivity on this. And I think your passion is really speaking through here, but how optimistic are you about, you know, one, the success of this, uh, campaign, but on top of that, just in the change of the industries, do you believe that the industry can change in
1: a in a meaningful and and responsible way? Well, I'm positive about the fact that I want to reach as many people as I can with this discussion. Do so I think that in, in the immediate term we're going to see the largest clubs around the world sign up to this? No, I don't. But do I think that we can create positive change by engaging with fans and engaging with athletes and engaging with with clubs at different levels of the game?
0: Start putting this
1: as a discussion point and start putting this on the agenda. We have these discussions because we need to make these, these arguments and put them on the agenda. They need to be in a position where they can't be ignored. And they will be ignored unless, un- unless we shout loud enough, unless we start making actions and doing things that mean they can't ignore us in and, 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 and this way. And this is a positive way of doing this in terms of getting people on board and engaging with clubs and try and get them on this journey with us to be ahead of the curve of what a lot of sports clubs are. I do think there's a lot of positivity to have. I think there's lots of options, as I've set out earlier, for clubs to, to look elsewhere for sponsorship deals and not be reliant on these industries. Do I think this is a a, a a huge, a huge task? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to be a long-term thing to try and get to the point where we need to be in relation to sports and sponsorship? Yes, it is. But that conversation has to start somewhere. And I'm positive about the the kind of the fact that this conversation is starting. That we see recently more and more discussions around sponsors and the relationship sponsors have with sports. And we've got to be positive about that because people do care. People really do care. And you engage with them. Engage with sports fans. You engage with athletes. You engage with organisations, and you see that people care, and that's what that's that's what makes me positive. When I have conversations with people, and they go, "This is really great. We need more of this. What can we do to support this?" is something that gives me a, a real optimism that that change can happen. Change can happen, and we need it, and we need to harness that enthusiasm, we need to harness the, the 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 care and the passion that people have around sports and and wanting to safeguard fans and the future of sport itself in a real positive way. And I think this this sponsorship pledge, the Game Changer Sponsorship Pledge, really offers that positive opportunity to be optimistic that we can bring all areas of sport together.
0: That, that's a very strong note to end on, I think. You're, you're hitting on so many great things there around nudge theory. You know, that change doesn't happen until someone starts or someone tries, so what a, what a fantastic initiative. I think even the work you've done since I've known you has been pretty spectacular in starting these conversations. You know, I wouldn't even have believed something like this, even in its current form would have existed two, three years ago. So, uh, that's, that's really amazing. And yeah, just to end, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your work and and, and keep
1: it up. Wonderful. Thanks very much for, um, for inviting me on, Ben. It's been a pleasure.
0: That was our conversation with Michael Hardy. Just to reflect from that conversation, I would like to acknowledge that as fans, it's hard to watch other teams making big money signings and go on to victory while your team struggles. And it's very tempting to insist your team does the same kind of deals. But such actions are unsustainable long term, both for sport and for the planet. And the collective action of all of us means that clubs can compete on a more financially fair playing field and without the feeling of guilt in the back of our minds. Just to reinforce that statistic that Michael gave us from marketforces.org, the fossil fuel projects that Standard Chartered funded in 2021 will end up emitting 2.3 billion tons of carbon dioxide equivalent over their lifetime, which is more than five times the entire of the UK's annual emissions. Are we to allow such reckless profiteering to be legitimized by sport? If you think not, then you can find the links to the Game Changer sponsorship pledge in the episode description. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe or give the show a rating on your podcast app of choice if you have not already. And I will see you for the next episode, a conversation on a different but very related field. Bye for now.